2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer-Azralant. Today I'm sharing about a great philosophy in parenting, positive discipline. Because positive discipline is so much more than just a set of tools or a method of discipline, It's really a whole mindset about how we approach parenting and interacting with our child or children. If you listened to last week's episode, you hopefully remember my story about feeling like I was adrift in the middle of an ocean in a small canoe with no oars. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, it is a great precursor to this one, so I highly recommend listening to that one first. Episode 22, What Parenting Style Are You? But to share a little more about that story, I was raised with the use of a lot of punitive discipline. I always knew I wasn't going to go that route and wanted something different for my family. So before I had kids, I watched a lot of Super Nanny, among other things. If you've ever watched that show, and it's pretty old now, but her go-to when the rubber hit the road was always the naughty chair or the naughty step, basically a timeout. So I started using this, but after a short while, I could see it wasn't working at best. And at worst, I felt like it was damaging my relationship with my son. Now he was only two at the time, but it definitely was not working for us. I knew I needed to find some better techniques, but while I was in the process of researching and learning, I did not have many tools for discipline at my disposal, and it was a scary place to be. I didn't want my son getting away with behavior I found unacceptable and also didn't want to damage our relationship. But when all you've ever known to use when push comes to shove is something punitive and then you start to give that up, you feel pretty powerless and just like I did, adrift in a sea without direction. I also was in graduate school at that time but hadn't had any classes in child development as of yet. But obviously after doing all of my research, and getting into the child development classes, I figured out and learned that positive discipline is the key. If you listened to last week's episode, you remember I discussed parenting style. Positive discipline falls into the democratic or authoritative parenting style. The outcomes are overwhelmingly positive. Children feel loved and respected. Children are more cooperative. They exhibit the highest levels of cognitive development rank the highest academically, have stronger self-esteem, are achievement-oriented with higher levels of internal motivation and problem-solving skills, exhibit the highest levels of social development, empathy, and other social-emotional skills. Kids from these backgrounds are the most likely to display initiative and even become entrepreneurs. Positive discipline also fosters positive relationships and communication between parent and child. And children raised in these homes are more influenced by their parents. Research also shows that as adults, they tend to be independent, self-controlled, and successful in the relationships. The democratic parenting style is the most effective in producing well-adjusted, responsible, and happy children and adults. But research has also shown that only 10-12% to of parents fall into this style consistently. So I will get to some great guidelines as well as some specifics in just a few minutes. But first, I want to take a moment to discuss punishment. So as I also talked about last week, discipline comes from the Latin word disciplina, which means to teach and to guide. It has nothing to do with punishment. But many people have been led to believe that punishment is a way of teaching, that it does work. While it may work in the short term, the long-term outcomes are overwhelmingly negative. How do people learn? They learn through engagement, through respect, through connection. That's how we really learn, how we make lasting internal changes. When I was in graduate school and learning about how to become a therapist, my advisor and professor often shared that the healing and change that takes place through a therapeutic relationship is all about the relationship. I heard this phrase so many times throughout graduate school, but it's true and it bears repeating. It's all about the relationship. It's not just true for therapist-patient relationship, but any relationship. What more important relationship is there than parent and child? A parent's influence is also all about the relationship. So we want to keep that bond strong. It doesn't mean we will never make our kids mad or they will love every decision we make, but it's how we deliver the messages and how we wield our power. Again, I keep saying this, but if you haven't listened to last week's episode, try to get back and do so because I share an experience I had with my oldest son just a few weeks ago where he wasn't happy with a boundary that we had set down as his parents. I explained how I was able to set this boundary with love and respect. I didn't let him bowl me over and take the boundary away to appease him or keep him from getting upset. But I also didn't put my foot down so hard and exclaim, because I'm the adult and I said so, which would have led to resentment. I used positive discipline, which is kind yet firm. I was kind in my explanation and allowing him to feel upset but I was firm with the boundary. Positive discipline is all about maintaining this balance as much as possible. This doesn't mean I've never said because I said so. I have said that a handful of times, like everyone else has, and we all move between the parenting styles. Sometimes I'm a little too lenient and sometimes I'm a little too strict, but a majority of the time I fall in this democratic style and use positive discipline. And that's the goal, to stay in that realm as much as possible. So I got off on a little bit of a tangent there. So I want to get back to punishment and how that actually works. So first, I want to share a little bit about Kohlberg's Stages of Moral Development. This theory states that moral reasoning, the basis for all ethical behavior, has six identifiable developmental stages, each one is more adequate at responding to moral dilemmas than the previous stage. Now, I'm just going to talk about the first stage here, and technically this is the lowest of the moral development, and this is obedience and punishment driven. This is a morality based on fear of punishment. What can one do to avoid punishment? this is the level of moral development that punishment serves. And we don't want our kids doing the right thing because they don't like the consequences. Because as they gain more freedom, then what will guide their moral compass? They will be prone to do things we don't approve of when they think they won't get caught. They will get sneaky. So positive discipline teaches about five negative outcomes of punishment. The first one is resentment. When kids are punished, They can harbor resentment. That breaks down the relationship. It can lead to revenge, I'll get even, next time I'll show them. This becomes an escalating and never-ending cycle. Kids get revenge, the punishment gets more severe. It becomes a big power struggle. The third is rebellion. And we see a lot of this coming into play in those tween and teen years. Kids get physically bigger, and the punishments that used to work when they were smaller, withholding privileges, grounding, they get less effective very quickly. And the next negative outcome to punishment is the sneakiness that I mentioned earlier. They think, I'll still do what I want, but I'll just be more careful and not get caught next time. And lastly, it damages self-esteem. And I'm going to add a sixth outcome that I've already alluded to, but it breaks Down the relationship between parent and child. So, for something that seems so effective in the short term, it has a lot of negatives in the long term. So, let's talk about goals, our goals in raising our kids. Now, I obviously cannot speak for everyone, but I think most parents would agree that our goals are to raise caring, kind, compassionate, ambitious, cooperative, happy kids who reach their own individual potential. And who have developed a strong sense of justice, an internal moral compass, not one based out of fear of punishment. Now, you may have your own adjectives you'd like to add to your description, and that's great. But regardless, it's a tall order and a big job. Research shows the most effective way to raise these happy, successful kids is with this democratic parenting style, which means using positive discipline. So I've already talked about kind and firm. So how do we do that? Positive Discipline offers lots of different tools for doing this. And I use all the different tools depending on the situation, which child, and the age of my children. These tools will change as children age. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. The democratic style means freedom with order. It means choices within limits. I love the analogy of comparing parenting to flying a kite. If we hold the string too tightly, our kids never learn how to fly. If we let the string out too fast, they crash and burn. This is where parenting is more art than science, right? Every kid is different. They are different about different experiences, Each kid needs a different level of guidance in different areas. So we parents have a big job figuring out the sweet spots of each kid in each area. When we see our kite or our kid starting to dip too fast, we have to tighten that string. When we see the string is really taut and they're pulling, showing their ability to go higher, we need to let it out. We are never always going to make the best and perfect decision every time. So we also need to cut ourselves some slack on that area. But we learn. What's so beautiful about positive discipline is that we give our children a voice to share their frustrations and their desires in appropriate ways so that we can take that into account in our decisions. We can change our minds or let the string out more based on their feedback, strengthening that relationship even more. This, of course, Is discourse that takes place more commonly and more frequently as they age into elementary school years and beyond. But allowing them to have a voice and then saying yes or no based on that is a practice that can start pretty early. So, what are some ways you can start to use positive discipline right now? One of the most common, basic, and flexible tools that is great from toddlerhood, starting about 18 months all the way up through 10, is choices, especially with little ones, offer choices all day long. It gives them that feeling of autonomy that they crave so much. And because they get it, they are much more cooperative overall when you just need them to go with the flow. And choices change with age. So early on, starting around 18 months, offer choices as much as possible. The choices need to be very concrete and limited to two such as banana or strawberries, doggy or teddy bear, pants or shorts. This is great practice. It gives them control, builds cooperation, and increases the likelihood they will comply when they don't have a choice. Offer choices all day long, from wake up to bedtime. By three, most kids want to do everything for themselves. As my daughter was saying even before turning two, me do it. Continue offering all the choices from before, sticking with only two. But now you can add, do you want to do it by yourself or with my help? Kids this age will usually choose to try to do the task by themselves. By five to six, kids are looking for more freedom over jobs they can do and how they can help. So rather than assigning a job, give them a list of age-appropriate chores and let them choose. Kids this age are also looking for more freedom over scheduling, such as when and where they do their homework, as well as over their environment, like how they want to decorate their rooms. In our house, we have a chore chart. Each chore has a value or payment attached. Now, this is in addition to jobs they do just as being contributing members of the family, but they also have paid jobs. Our oldest, now seven, chooses which chores he will do throughout the week. And I implemented this because he would balk every time it was time to do a job that he got tired of doing. He would do the windows for a few weeks with excitement, and then once the novelty wore off, it was a struggle. So this gives him not only a choice about what to do, but when to do it, so long as it gets done by the end of the week. Now he happily does his chores weekly because he has autonomy. He feels respected and enjoys the feeling of responsibility. For more details on guidelines of exactly how to implement this, you can see the class on chores and allowance on the website, yourvillageonline.com. And by seven to nine, kids are really looking for more physical independence. So you could say things like, do you want to sit three or four rows in front of us at the movies? Where do you want to do your homework? In the dining room, the kitchen table, or in your room? Also in the positive discipline classes on the website, I like to share all the pitfalls and also what I call the little genius tactics, which are those things that most kids will do to try to get around the boundaries and rules we're putting in place. So I'm going to share these starting with the pitfalls. The pitfalls are those things that parents do that can undermine the effectiveness of a technique. The first pitfall is offering a second set of choices after the child refuses the first. So it might go something like this. Do you want toast or oatmeal? No. Then do you want cereal or yogurt? No. Well, then how about a bagel or a waffle? Stick with the first set of choices. I am offering toast or oatmeal today. Let me know when you decide. The second pitfall is using a forced choice. A forced choice is offering one positive and one negative choice, and it might sound like this. You can clean up now or I will put the blocks in the garage for the next week. Which one do you want? This is a setup and it's manipulative because no one wants the negative choice. So there's really no choice at all. So be sure to use two positives. You can say, are you going to clean up now or in five minutes? Do you want to clean up the blocks or the trains first? If your child does not choose or follow through, then you can follow up with a consequence. Consequences are not manipulative because they are set up differently. They're set up as a given rather than a choice. If you do not clean up right now, I will put the blocks away for the next two days. Now for kids four and under, 1-2-3 magic is a great tool to use as a way to get kids moving with a deadline because many times they will push and push that deadline. For kids four and under, 1-2-3 Magic is also a great tool to use as a way to get kids moving with a deadline. Now, there's a very specific way to use this tool, as well as several pitfalls and genius tactics that are common to that tool as well. So I highly recommend watching that class to learn how to use that tool well, if it sounds like something that sounds good to you. It's also covered in the Discipline Tools for Toddlers and the Discipline Tools for Preschoolers class, along with the 15 other Discipline tools. Now, for our little genius tactics for choices. Remember, these are the ways our kids will sometimes try to undermine our efforts. And these are very common. The first tactic is when your child changes his mind after the fact. It goes like this Do you want toast or oatmeal? Oatmeal! As soon as you place the oatmeal in front of him, he protests. I want toast! Your child does not consciously understand what he's doing but he's trying to gain power. If he gets you to make that second meal, it tips the power scale strongly in the favor of your child. So let your child know he needs to stick with his first choice. You chose oatmeal. So this is what you have for today. Tomorrow, you can choose toast. If your child gets upset, you can use your empathy skills. I see you're upset because you changed your mind. Let your child share his feelings. If he continues to ask for toast again, you can remind him, you chose oatmeal. Today, we're going to stick with oatmeal. After a few times, your child will learn that game does not work and to put more thought into the initial choice. Now, this is a great example of how giving a choice could turn into a power struggle if the parent comes down to the child's level. But by staying firm, yet calm and kind, the power struggle is completely avoided. If power struggles are an area of concern, you can see the power struggles class on the website for all the ways to avoid falling into power struggles with children of any age. If your child is changing his or her mind often after the fact, then you want to start using clarification after he or she chooses. I heard you say oatmeal. Is that what you want? Yes. Okay. I'm going to make oatmeal and you need to stick with this choice. I am not going to make anything else. Do you understand? Now, the next tactic is when your child is taking too long to choose. In this case, you can give a warning. This is taking too long. We need to get going. You can choose or I will need to choose for you this time. You can also implement the one, two, three magic here if needed to give your child that concrete deadline. Make sure to give this warning. Otherwise, you just offered some power and then took it away before he had a chance to use it. You don't want to say something like, that took too long, here's your toast. Then you're headed straight for Meltdown City. So be sure to give that warning and give them the opportunity before making the choice for them. The last genius tactic is when your child takes the secret third option, something not on the list. Do you want to take horse or sock monkey? Dinosaur. If the alternate choice meets your goal, you can say yes and give your reason. Sure, you can take dinosaur. He's another soft animal to cuddle with at nap time today. This is your child's way of letting you know she's ready for more decision making. This way, you're making room for some flexibility by allowing her to move to that next level. If, however, the third choice does not meet your goal, then say no and give your reason. I'm sorry, we can't take Bunny. He's too small and could get lost at school. He's safer here at home. And then you can offer the initial choice again Do you want to take horse or sock monkey? Or my personal favorite that my oldest loved doing was asking for something outrageous given the first set of choices. I would say something like Do you want carrots or apples for snack? Ice cream! So I would have to say, that's not a healthy choice. If you want a snack, you can have carrot sticks or an apple. Now the class on choices covers some more details like the other benefits for children's development, as well as the vast options available in using choices. And choices are also covered in detail, as I mentioned in all three discipline tools classes, discipline tools for toddlers, preschoolers, and elementary age kids. Like last week, the promo code goodkids, G-O-O-D, KIDS can be used for 20% off of any of the discipline classes on the site, as well as the monthly membership options. For more positive discipline tools, be sure to check out the discipline tab at yourvillageonline.com. Now we're taking our family summer vacation over the next couple of weeks. The podcast has been growing quickly and therefore I've been getting quite a few questions lately that I haven't been able to fit into the podcast episodes including a great one for today's episode that I really hoped I would have time to answer. So instead, I'm going to have a QA and a session for next week's episode and try to get through as many of these questions as possible. So this way, the podcast will not only have only a one-week hiatus, but these awesome parents can get answers to their questions and all of my other great listeners can learn from them as well. If you have a question, please be sure to send it to podcast at yourvillageonline.com And if I continue getting an abundance of questions, I will do more Q&A sessions in between episodes to answer any parenting questions that come in. As always, if you like what you're hearing, I'd love a review on iTunes. If there's a topic you'd like to hear or something you think we can do better, please send us your feedback at podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.